Are, are we going to dive in? Are we all ready? Yeah, let's do it. I'm just waiting for you to sort your life out here. Like you're... <laughs> My life is perfectly sorted. Okay. Uh, into despair <laughs> and outrage. Oh, no. And uh, other sortable categories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those are some great bins you've got going on there. Uh. Did you just describe my life being in a bin? No, that's not very nice. <laughs> Organised chaos, right, Matt? Yeah, there is a little bit of that, yeah. So this is our first recording of 2022, then. It is, officially. Yeah. Wow. Does this mark three years that the podcast has spanned across uh, calendar years? That sounds right, actually. It could even be four, but let me four. check. Ooh. It's not four, is it? Our first episode was September 6th, 2018. That's when it went live. Really? That is four years. So this is four years, yeah. Wow. Okay. We've spanned across four years. I think that's uh, that's quite impressive. Yeah, for sure. Time to wrap it up, I think. (laughs) Have we got any better over that time? We got gradually worse. No. So the the thing is, we started so strong (laughs) that... Oh, straight out of the gate. We've just... Yeah, it's kind of been... I would say that we've definitely improved, but it's been more polishing than anything else, right? It's just been... (laughs) I definitely think there's room for improvement, given four years that we do span across now. It would be good if Rue stopped smacking his microphone. Um, and <laughs> whoever's not... taking the biggest of gulps of drink. Oh, that would be me. In yeah. between sentime- uh, sentences, that would be good. You've got to have your recording tea on the go. <laughs> and also, if I could pronounce words correctly, that would be great as well. <laughs> I was going to say, you're guilty of some things here, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> So I think the the big news that we start the year with is that we've raised a, a Series C at a staggering $620 million. Just a small amount. Uh, which is the largest ever raised by a Canadian company. Wow. It's, yeah. it's impressive. This is the second time we've hit such mark. We did it with our first round as well. I remember when I heard about this round, I was like, but wait a minute, I don't understand. Like, that's way more than the first round was. What is happening right now? So yeah, it's really something. It is. So the first question that people are likely to ask is, why? And I think that we have a bigger problem to solve than we have before. The simple reason is like, online security has escalated. We've we've still got content for the podcast. We haven't exactly solved the world's problems just yet. I think we have more vulnerability online than we've than we've ever had before and there are also more technological standards that are competing and all of these technological standards and you know new ways to log in haven't made anything easier they have in fact made things more complicated i now need to choose the method that i sign in as well as remembering <laughs> how i did it what path I took and, and all those kind of stuff. Like navigating the online security world is, is incredibly difficult these days. Even I, who, you know, works in technology and I would call myself fairly tech savvy. It's wild what is out there and like we are trying to navigate just from a from a personal sense. Do I turn on iCloud reroute? Technology. I've forgotten what the name of that is. Private Relay. I turned it on and I thought, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. It's like a VPN, but it's from from Apple. And then like it started doing really weird stuff to my entire network because I run a pie hole thing as well. My goodness, it's so difficult to navigate these days. One thing that this investment will allow us to do is make 
OnePassword the the center of all of this and try and allow us to protect people's most sensitive information and kind of integrate both work and home, which seem to be a lot closer these days, and just make everything a bit more human-centric and easier, I think is the, the best way to put it. For more coherent words on this, probably see our CEO's blog post. Sounds great. And obviously we're launching our new 1Password confectionery line, right? Uh, I mean, of course. And pastries. Yeah. I think that would be pretty good. Yeah, like pastries, cakes, chocolate. I would like the spin-off brand of, of one pastry. I think that would be pretty good. <laughs> I'm not sure if the investors know. That wasn't in the, you know, the deck. That wasn't in the original pitch. It wasn't in the deck. But I do feel like everybody's on board with pastries, right? Yeah. Anna's gluten-free, so I feel like this is, this is probably going yeah. on deaf ears. But, I mean, really, Anna, you don't know what you're missing. Uh, they're the best food, and I'm I'm sorry. We're going to cater to every dietary requirement. Okay, okay well, gluten-free pastry is not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this is some really cool news, and I'm really excited that, coming from a design leader within the company, that this is so focused on making our software scale and is human-centric, solving some, some really important problems. And definitely take a look at the the microsite that we launched as well to talk about the future of 1Password and the kind of things that we want to do. We're bandying some ideas around in there, asking for, for kind of thoughts and, and feelings on it, which is great. Nice. We also have some bigger news, though, right, that our episodes are now available on YouTube. Oh, yes. And that's the biggest news of the week. And we're going to start being active in the forum as well. If you're in the 1Password forums... First of all, congratulations. You, you are at that point a super fan, I think. You know, you go there and you want to voice your opinion. You can now do that around each podcast episode. So if you have any questions, if you want to add to any of the stories or you want to bring us stories, that'd be great. Yeah. You go to onepassword.community. Uh, that is a top level domain, so it doesn't need a .com or anything. Just .community. Onepassword.community. And then navigate to the lounge, and then that's where we're going to be posting a thread per episode. Excellent. There we go. Sounds great. When you when you do uh, visit us on YouTube, do make sure that you like, comment, subscribe, and smash that bell so that you know uh, when, we, <laughs> when we post new episodes. <laughs> okay. So I've lost all of the show notes. See? Uh, slick as ever after four years. <laughs> um... <laughs> There we go. So I think we can jump into some Watchtower Weekly. Oh, Watchtower Weekly is our segment named after our Watchtower feature in 1Password that helps keep you safe online. We've repurposed it for the podcast where we cover the top tech stories that have to do with security breaches and, and other terrible behavior that happens online. So we'll take you through some of that now. And I think, you know, Matt usually spearheads this. So we'll just, we'll just hand it over to him. I was a terrible lead-in. It was awful. <laughs> I, I love that you always <laughs> include meta information in your intros. It's just like, you, you can't just end a sentence and then someone else will pick it up. You don't have to then like... <laughs> I, but I, I feel very safe, handed the baton so clearly. I now know that I'm leading this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say drop it in here, so... I didn't. That's a win, right? That is a benefit. 
that's a new year new new rule. So <laughs> this first one is Norton Antivirus now comes with a crypto miner. I'm not sure this is a feature that they're advertising <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> but Norton Antivirus, the security company, is facing renewed criticism after its decision to bundle a crypto miner in with its antivirus service. The feature was introduced in June 2021 to some users, allowing Norton 360 subscribers to mine for ETH, Ether. But the company has started a wider rollout recently. At this time, the move was criticised as an opportunistic attempt to capitalise on the crypto boom. Irrespective of the environmental impact (laughs) or the financial risk to some users. I actually think the environmental impact is worth stating. I think they are very, very close to fixing that. That would be good. Ah, It would be good. So some users are upset because the mining software is installed automatically as part of Norton 360 and the software pushes mining on users through a prompt that says, turn your PC's idle time into cash. Not only that, the software will even set up a secure wallet for you, all for a mere 15% cut of the proceeds. That's what you're waiting for, right? Effectively taking a commission. Now, Norton customers have taken to Twitter, surprisingly, to complain that a, the crypto miner is far more difficult to uninstall than it should be. Others suggest that it should not be installed on machines in the first place without explicit consent of the users. I... I <laughs> There's so much to unpack in this one. The situation went from bad to worse after Norton replied to an original tweet pointing out that the crypto miner is an opt-in feature only and is not enabled without the user's permission, which sparked a series of angry responses. Um, Again, like... This is is what Twitter is made for these days. Uh, One said, uh, if it's opt-in, why is it installed by default, not removable, without getting rid of the whole antivirus software? Others suggested that Norton should stick to its lane as a cybersecurity company. In a statement, Norton attempted to once again clear up the confusion. Norton Crypto is an opt-in feature only and is not enabled without user permission. If users have turned on Norton Crypto but no longer wish to use the feature, it can be disabled through Norton 365 or Norton 360 degrees, not days, I guess, (laughs) by temporarily shutting off tamper protection, which allows users to modify the Norton installation and deleting encrypt.exe from your computer. Oh, nice and easy then. Clarifying that Norton does install a crypto miner with its software without making that clear in the initial setup process. But it isn't going to do anything unless you specifically opt in. So it's not a situation where you'll install the security suite and instantly start seeing your computer lag. I mean, that's unless Norton Antivirus makes your uh, computer lag. Which is pure speculation i've been told to say we would absolutely advise against this uh, it does introduce complexity and potential security issues to users and also if you want an antivirus software you want to install an antivirus software if you want a crypto miner go for it go to town i uh, i don't like this i i don't like all of I, this not one bit this is this is awful it's been a long time since you've used a windows machine right so antivirus do i need to explain what that is or yeah. <laughs> i mean i've never owned one so uh you've never owned a pc i've never owned a pc no whoa what did you play the sims on yeah my mac oh okay well that probably lagged like it was running a crypto miner then (laughs) (laughs) this is an awful awful idea like who i don't know how it made it to market i really don't how could this have possibly gone through my one complaint is that antivirus software lags your computer so much sometimes as it's scanning every single file and for some reason it always chooses to do it and update at the same time right when you turn the computer on 
And so to add crypto mining into that, you can tell why they did it, right? 15% is quite a large percentage. Yeah. But it kind of strikes me as a bit of a bot network. <laughs> bit, yeah, bit of no, like it definitely is. Taking inspiration from... Uh, from all the software that they're trying to keep off your computer? Yes. It undermines the whole product, right? I think so, yeah. Did they shout about this when it was announced and it was introduced? I mean, it's one of those features that I wouldn't shout about if it was released. No, just slide it underneath the radar. I'd sit on my 15% and not look at Twitter. Yeesh. I, uh, I, I hope they make a a round trip on this and and point it in another direction because we do need good antivirus software but i would rather it didn't install a crypto miner by default even if i do have to you know opt in and then if i change my mind you know temporarily shutting off tamper protection and then deleting a random encrypt.exe from my computer is not what I would enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this next one. Russia's FSB shuts down the notorious Revil ransomware gang. So the Russian Federal Security Service, or the FSB, recently announced that it had raided and shut down the operations of the notorious Revil ransomware gang. And in an unprecedented move, has hired every single one of them to work. No, that's not true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The unprecedented move, which will undoubtedly send a message to other ransomware groups operating out of the country, saw the Russian authorities conduct raids at 25 addresses across Moscow, St. Petersburg and Lipetsk, regions that belonged to 14 suspected members of Revil. The gang which shut down its operations in July before a failed comeback in, in September is believed to have orchestrated some of the most damaging attacks of last year, including those targeting the Colonial Pipeline, JBS Foods, Kasaya. The FSB said it seized more than 426 million rubles, which is about $6 million, as well as 600,000 in cash, crypto wallets, computers, and 20 high-end cars. (laughs) 20 high-end cars. There's 14 of them and 20 cars. That means... Even if they travel in all in their own cars, there's six sitting there. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a choice. <laughs> Impressive math there. Though. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm known for it. The FSB said it conducted the search operation at the request of US authorities, which were notified of their results. In a statement, the FSB said, as a result of joint actions, the organized criminal community ceased to exist (laughs) that's a broad (laughs) statement the information infrastructure used for criminal purposes was neutralized news of the fsb's surprise operation comes just two months after the u.s department of justice charged a 22 year old ukrainian citizen linked to the revil ransomware gang seven other revil gang members were also arrested throughout 2021 following operations coordinated by europol In July, President Biden urged Russia to follow suit, pressuring Russian President Vladimir Putin to take action to disrupt these criminal gangs. Yeah, this is pretty cool stuff. These were a major operator and they've been effectively, a large part of them has been taken out. Am I positive that it's all of them? I highly doubt it. Think of that amount of money, like they must have been recruiting like anything. Not without, you know, pointing fingers or anything, but the 22-year-old that was charged two months ago probably pointed a finger in a direction right (laughs) (laughs) like the timing on that all of these people who seem to get charged from this particular ransomware group have such ostentatiously disgusting taste in everything like they all wear gold trainers drive 
probably Lamborghinis and Porsches and Ferraris and stuff in custom colours, it seems. That's a huge generalisation there, Matt, but I like it. Look, I'm looking at pictures and I'm making that generalisation. <laughs> I'm sure there's one who's got perfectly good taste and goes for very, you know, subtle menswear products and not in any way a caricature from Hawkeye TV series. I don't know whether you've seen that, but the tracksuit mafia from the Hawkeye TV series does strike me as very, very accurate to... A member of Revil. Russian <laughs> ransomware gangs. Yeah. Okay, so the spine collector. This man was arrested for using fake email addresses to steal hundreds of unpublished manuscripts, which is a lot less haunting than the name that has been given to him. Yeah, the spine collector. <laughs> I don't like that. The spine collector uh, has been haunting publishers around the world, attempting to steal manuscripts by famous authors. As Vulture describes, for years someone has been attempting to get their hands on the upcoming books by the likes of Margaret Atwood, Stieg Larsson, Sally Rooney and Ethan Hawke by creating fake domain names that appeared to be those of companies in the publishing industry. More than 160 fraudulent domains, to be precise, are said to be registered in an attempt to personate real identities of individuals from the publishing world. The domain names were confusingly similar to genuine domains, often using simple tricks such as replacing a lowercase m with the lowercase letters rn by sending convincing emails that posed as industry colleagues. The fraudster known as the Spine Collector was able to trick publishers and others. I mean, the Spine Collector makes it really sound like a, you know... Serial killer. So he tricked these publishers and others into handing over manuscripts of books. We are used to bogus domains being used in, in phishing and other online attacks, but it's always been with the motivation of stealing sensitive data or raiding financial accounts. To use it, such simple tricks to steal unpublished books is, is really quite you know, out of the ordinary. Books were not being pirated or distributed on the internet. Ransoms were not being demanded for the safe return. Indeed, publishers and the authorities were stumped as to what the possible motive might be behind the attacks. Could it be that the attacker was just a reader who had very little patience and didn't want to wait for the book to be published? The bizarre mystery was actually solved when Filippo Bernardini, a rights coordinator at Simon & Schuster in London, was arrested this week at JFK International Airport. The US Department of Justice claims that Bernardini had been trying to steal other people's literary ideas for himself since at least August 2016. So using his industry knowledge of publishing to impersonate agents, editors and others to fraudulently gain pre-publication access to manuscripts. So Simon and Schuster is reportedly shocked by the allegations against Bernardini and has suspended him while investigations take place. The 29-year-old Bernardini could face as much as 22 years in prison if found guilty, which is a long time for, you know, stealing books. Being the ultimate book fan. Yeah, it's very weird, this one, because there's a line, right? Like, I could understand 22 years in prison if he was publishing these beforehand and like you know to steal the ideas is a very odd way like it's a lot of effort to go to to not i don't know come up with ideas yeah <laughs> it's, it's a really weird one like he could have done so much more damage so i can understand like the large sentence possible here but so much effort to go to for just getting a few ideas i mean is this guy a famous author? That yeah, I was going to say, if he was actually a published author. 
or whether he was just aspiring using any extreme lengths to get there. I don't see any books by this person. No, I don't. This is an odd one. I'd be interested to know the uh, cost of the damages of um, of all these things put together. How many books this person did actually in, end up stealing and, and that type of stuff. But yeah, yeah it seems like without publishing them, oh, maybe he's just got knockoffs. Maybe he makes spoof books. Ah, oh, yes, like Barry Trotter. <laughs> there you go, Barry Trotter and the Shameless Parody. Oh, £1.49 oh on the Oxfam shop. I, I can't stand books like that. I really can't. And Barry Trotter and the Unnecessary Sequel. Yeah, sums mm. it up. Who's buying these? <laughs> maybe the whole thing maybe the whole thing is a book like maybe maybe this is the story oh it's research it's a, that'd be a pretty good story no, but i mean like this 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 series already has a title like the spine collector oh it's perfect yeah okay so this last one a teen hacker has gained remote control over 20 teslas this week a teenager reported that he's gained remote access to around two dozen teslas uh, in multiple countries and is trying to contact their owners yeah I'm sure he is the <laughs> list of things he can do to those affected vehicles is long and dangerous so the 19 year old security specialist david colombo oh <laughs> yes what a name yes uh, oh that's Get that's in. solid <laughs> 10 out of 10 so he reported in a twitter thread that he'd gained control over 25 teslas in 30 countries without their owners knowing he doesn't want to disclose exactly how he did it oh this is going up in my mind i thought this was a bit of mischief it looks like it's a genuine investigation until he reports the vulnerability to the non-profit mitre however colombo did say oh, i love the fact that we're calling him colombo so good colombo did say all right i don't know about that you guys <laughs> I, I can't remember what colombo's favorite phrase was I, I it just went straight out of my head so i apologize in advance that that wasn't it Colombo did say it was due to errors on the owner's part, not a security flaw in Tesla's software. So it's a user flaw in Tesla's software. <laughs> like if you can if you can accidentally hand over remote control of your car, I think it, in some part Tesla might have some blame. Colombo said he could search the precise location of each car, disable their security, open their doors and windows even while they're on the road play music and YouTube videos at full volume and more. While Colombo can't remotely drive the cars, he could steal them if he were at their physical locations. Tesla's security team has already told Colombo they're looking into it. Even though Colombo says this isn't Tesla's fault, it could be still a PR issue for the company, right? Painting the cars as, as ever more vulnerable in, in the consumer's minds. Near the end of last year, Tesla recalled a significant number of vehicles sold in the US over trunk lid problems. The incident could also affect the development of Tesla's self-driving mode, which is still in beta. This is an interesting one. I think like the more we make things smart, the more things are obviously going to become vulnerable. So like Teslas are the smartest car out there. Of course, they're going to be racked with stuff like this. We, mm. we shouldn't look at that as a as a negative thing against Teslas against any other type of car, just because they are you know, more technologically smart. But at the same time, I think the responsibility that Tesla have is more than other manufacturers. Yeah, I really don't like the idea of adding self-driving mode into the mix here. Surely that just adds a whole other dimension. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the idea that someone could brick roll my car from a different country. Yeah. Constantly as well. Oh, can you imagine that? There's some annoying kids out there. That would This would be a pastime. I can barely control one car at a time in Gran Turismo. I can't imagine this kid doing 20. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, everyone, welcome to New Year, New Secure Me, the <laughs> wonderfully titled by Anna section where we talk about how to declutter your digital life and the security tips that, that can fall out of doing just such a thing. So let's talk a little bit about why why decluttering your digital life is beneficial. By reducing what digital clutter you have to manage, you're reducing the potential for threats to enter your space. Threats digital decluttering helps prevent include things like data breaches. So deleting old accounts removes private information from the potential of being accessed and used. Data breaches also shoring up your account security reduces the risk of past breaches compromising accounts. You reduce the possibility of phishing attempts. Reduced incoming emails means it's easier to spot those phishing attempts. You reduce the potential for hacks. Every browser plugin, app, or software you use increases your potential to be hacked by reviewing and reducing the number you are using you're reducing your exposure to risk we do have some relevant blogs about this exact thing so we'll link those in the show notes you can go check those out the other thing you can do uh, heading into the new year is to organize your devices review what computers what cloud storage external storage mobile devices etc i know for me personally as i get new devices if i get new devices I don't always decommission the old ones, and they will just hang out on my account, on my iCloud account, and they have access to my information there. I mean, these things are in a drawer safely in my house, sure, but I could certainly decommission those and send them in for recycling and just eliminate the possibility of them ever being used against me. You should delete apps that you don't use anymore, uninstall programs that you don't use anymore, uh, make sure that you're running the most recent updates, turn on automatic updates. And this was something that was really hammered home for me by one of our security folks, Jeffrey Goldberg, friend of the show, Jeffrey Goldberg, that every software update that a company pushes out is good to install, especially your operating system vendors because they usually contain security fixes and you want to be running those latest those latest updates so that you have those latest security updates. Wipe and destroy old devices. I talked about that a little bit. You could repurpose them. There's always the old uh, picture frame recycling that you can do. Take an old device and turn it into a digital picture frame and, and stick it somewhere in your house. You should audit permissions on your mobile apps and within websites. So, you know, hey, how quickly do we tap? Like, yes, just give this thing access to my location. Going and reviewing those privacy settings within your, your devices or your operating systems. System settings. Go and see what apps have access to what things. Nice. And we also have some more tips around cleaning up your email. So it's probably an obvious one, but you can delete your old emails or if you don't have time, just archive them. You retain access to them, but you get to start at Inbox Zero. I always think there's some glorification around Inbox Zero. What do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, my inbox has never been at zero and no. uh, I'm an OK, happy human. Um. Yeah, I think <laughs> having that as like a goal can peak a lot of anxiety. What I like to do is to kind of treat my inbox as a to-do list and then sort the rest into bins and folders. I think this might cause more anxiety for some people, but for me, it helps me sort of see what I need to address, what I need to act on. But also it kind of takes the pressure off me to get to zero in my inbox. I also think there's some emails that specifically kind of give access to, to random stuff and, you know, have account details in and, and that type of thing. When I find one of those, if I'm in the right mood, which is, you know, that, uh, that I want to work on stuff, I will search by that email address and then just like delete all of those emails. Because, I mean, I do like having an email history of stuff. I email people all the time and forget and then I can just search and go back to them. So like I do keep a lot of old emails, you know, archiving them and all that kind of stuff is okay. But from a 
particular security stance, the thing that I do like to do is if something does keep sending me magic links that last a bit too long, I will just search all of those and properly bin them. But it does mean that if anybody did manage to get access to my email, as detrimental as that would be, yeah. those emails wouldn't be there. So, yeah, I think it's worth thinking about setting up a system like Matt has done to handle new emails as they come in. If you don't have one already, maybe organising into folders and bins. And you can also spend some time unsubscribing from mailing lists that you no longer care about. So I have a reminder set up to do this at the start of each month and I just go through and it really helps me keep on top of everything and remove the stuff that's not adding any value which also possibly contains personal information as well very nice and then on a similar theme we have some tips around deleting your old accounts it's an easy one but deleting accounts you no longer use reduces the risk of them ever being breached as they no longer exist so i think it's important to remember that abandoned accounts are still full of personal and private information everything from you know date of birth to credit card numbers and you can actually use one password to identify all your accounts here and then just work your way through and check which ones you no longer need and get deleting them i i love doing this if you sort all of one password by date created oldest first you can find some ancient things I, i've got yeah. a, i've got a virgin mobile account when i lived in another country i've just logged into there it still works it has my new mobile number in there and uh, all sorts of stuff like that so that's not great that's gone you know managed to shut down that account nice all, all sorts of stuff like that it's crazy how many accounts you actually forget because you created them for like a one-time use or mm. you created them like five seven years ago so yeah it's definitely a good thing to have a bit of a declutter of your accounts so another thing you can do is is review your web browser if you don't you know constantly change and, and clear all the history of everything you know going in there and every now and then cleaning your cookies and your browsing history and also i think a big one for security is reviewing plugins people had plugins all the time for all sorts of things and like you just don't need them most of the time and then when you stop using a service it's still kind of hanging around the permissions of that might be a bit invasive it might be reading every web page and that service then might have a data breach so always good to review those and remove any that you don't need another thing is reviewing and updating the actual browser security and privacy settings there are so many these days and you can probably push it a bit further than the default i always like to make sure that i'm doing that on any web browser if you've got anything as well in your reading list or you know bookmarks that you don't want or point out websites that you don't really want in there anymore if you haven't read it by now probably remove it clean that right up it no longer is is accurate or up to date at this point so you probably don't need to keep it around anymore exactly the other thing is to check and remove unnecessary connected apps on all of your social media bits i found out the other day that i had tweety which connected to my twitter account which i don't think has been an app for a good long while do you remember that one i think it was the first ever third party twitter app Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was a really good app. Actually, I believe that Tweety was acquired by Twitter and became the official Twitter app on Mac. I think it was, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's a good idea to clean out those, especially if they're from, like, 2012. 
you know, pair them back to the essentials. Nice. And then, of course, the last thing that we can all do is organize one password. You can archive old logins that you don't need anymore. I did this a couple of years ago and just I had a lot of sites that don't even exist anymore and just either deleted them or archived them. You can tag items within one password to group them together into different organizational blocks such as health or finance. I have one for death beneficiaries, actually, so that if something ever goes wrong, like all of the items that would give a will executor access to our accounts are all tagged with the same thing. You can check which logins you use very frequently and make sure that they're marked as favorites so that you have them always available. You can enable two-factor authentication through Watchtower. You go through Watchtower and it will list out all of the websites or all of the logins that you have that have two-factor authentication available and go enable that. Checking on Watchtower in general is a great idea to see when you have duplicate passwords or compromised passwords or compromised websites. All of that helps get you ready for a safer 2022. Very nice. Some good tips there. I think so. Okay, shall we move on to Ridiculous Requirements? (sighs) Yes, please. So welcome to Ridiculous Requirements, the game where we work together to come up with the passwords not advised that fit the honestly terrible requirements. So this week, the requirements are it must contain at least three Bond theme songs with a single word title. Oh, no. It must not contain any songs by Shirley Bassey. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) Two of the songs must end with the same three letters. One song must feature a part of the body. (laughs) And it must end with the numerical code name for James Bond combined with two letters signifying characters from the franchise. So there you have it, a James Bond-themed Ridiculous Requirements. I want to make a website that has this as... Like, I really want to play this as, like, a text-based game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really tempted one weekend to just build it and (laughs) just have Ridiculous Requirements. Just be like, okay, we need a password generator for this, but it's going to be of Bond songs. (laughs) Okay, so, must contain at least three Bond theme songs with a single word title but nothing by shirley bassey so yeah gold goldfinger's out right uh goldfinger was tina turner no no nope goldfinger is out goldfinger that was definitely shirley bassey oh. like 100 percent. that was definitely okay yeah 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 yeah. all right iconic shirley bassey yikes what was tina turner then moonraker no i don't <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Shirley no, Bassey. come on! Okay, uh, one word Bond themes. Uh, Thunderball, who did that? Thunderball, not Shirley Bassey. Okay. That is one of the words, yeah. Who sung that? Michael Ball. No, Tom Jones. Tom Jones. <laughs> Tom Jones, Tom there Jones. we go. Right, Thunderball. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. <laughs> Moonraker. Oh, no, that was Shirley Bassey. What's the other one? Skyfall. That was Adele, right? Skyfall was Adele. Yeah, there you go. Skyfall is one of them. At the Skyfall. So you've got Thunderball and Skyfall, and they both end with the same three letters. So you've got those two there. Hang on, what? What three letters? Oh, I was... Uh, oh. Two of the songs must end with the same three letters. Right, okay. And one song must feature a part of the body. Okay, all right. So we did, we did Skyfall. We did... Uh, wait, what was the first one? Oh, Thunderball. Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yes. Oh. It is Goldeneye. Oh, of course, that's the Tina Turner one. That is the Tina Turner one. Bum, 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 bum. Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah. It's great. The best thing to come from this round is Rue singing the lyrics of all the Bond songs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to say it. Goldeneye, best Bond film. Uh, agreed. Yes. Yep. 
Let's continue. Um, nope, this is not. Nope. I'm going to say Casino Royale. No. I'm sorry, this wasn't a discussion. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> just the emotion that those three just bum, 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 bum. That's mm. that's all. That's all you need. Oh, Such a good film. So How'd it go, Matt? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. Right, so we've got those three. So hang on, what were they? Skyfall. Let's yeah. write this down. Yep. <laughs> You're getting serious about this. Well, let's write this right. down. Skyfall, Thunderball, and Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yep. Yep. Right, and then we need. And it must end with the numerical code name for James right, Bond, so... right. combined with two letters signifying characters from the franchise. So, M- M- so M- 007. MQ. MQ. Yeah. Yes. Well done. Oh, very nice. Skyfall, Thunderball, Goldeneye, 007 MQ. Very nice. Please don't use that as a password no. because, like, it does look like a good one, but we have discussed it on here now, so it's probably used. It's already bad. It's a good one to remember, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I've already forgotten what the name of the song, the second song was. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe not the best one. But. <laughs> well, that that is it. The end of our first episode of 2022. Not counting the one that we pre-recorded last year always revealing the magic i mean it was a best of bits really wasn't it which is always the way where you pre-record one so i think we're just following suit but uh yeah needless to say love you both yeah love, love you, you both, both.